Welcome to season two of My Favourite Item, unravelling Brisbane's history piece by piece, brought to you by Brisbane's Living Heritage Network, a membership-based organisation promoting more than 80 heritage places and museums dedicated to sharing Brisbane's story. In each episode, join me as we step inside a different Brisbane-based cultural heritage collection to learn more about this city's rich and unique history. If you're a first-time listener, you may want to start back at season one, but each episode tells its own special story. I'd like to warn our listeners that if you hear me talking a little more in this episode, it's because I'm somewhat familiar with this collection and the item itself. I'm actually recording this month's podcast in my own workplace, which is the Supreme Court Library Queensland, but I've actually brought a friend and I'm not alone. So my colleague Katie Dean, who works incredibly closely with the library's legal heritage collection, is kindly joining me. Hi, Katie. Hi, Kirsten. Thanks for having me. The library is almost as old as Queensland itself. As a fun fact, it was first opened in 1862 for members of the judiciary. To give our listeners a bit of context, can you please talk about your role here and the Legal Heritage Collection? So the Legal Heritage Collection has been developed over the library's long history to collect and preserve Queensland's legal heritage across a variety of materials. So we've got things like rare books, manuscripts, we've got some archives, uh, all different kinds of objects, photos and oral histories. Most of the collection has been acquired through donation by judicial officers, members of the legal profession and their families and the wider community as well. And as part of my role as the Heritage Collection and Research Officer, I'm responsible for almost all the collection management and registration duties as well as helping with any access requests and collection research. And I also curate legal heritage displays with Kirsten. (laughs) When I asked you to choose an item to talk about today for this episode, I thought it was definitely going to be a robe or a wig because I think in part of my role here, I lead a lot of tour groups. It's always the thing that people ask the most about, but you surprised me and actually chose an item that we actually researched quite a lot last year. What item have you chosen to speak about today? Um, Yeah, I wanted to surprise you. Uh, So (laughs) I've chosen a t-shirt that was made during a campaign in the 1970s to save the old Townsville Supreme Court building by the National Trust. Can you tell us who donated the item? You said before that a lot of our collection comes through judicial donations. Is this an example of that? Yes, it's a great example of that. So it was donated by a judge who's now retired, so the Honourable Kieran Cullinane AM. He was the northern judge in Townsville in the Supreme Court there from 1992 to 2011. And then he was a a barrister before that in Townsville for over 20 years. So he was there for the campaign. So the northern judge means that he's the resident judge in the northern court, which is in the Townsville Supreme Court. But initially there was only a Supreme Court in Brisbane and judges would go on circuit throughout Queensland to hear matters. But in the mid-1800s, there was an act that was passed which established a northern judge in the northern court and that was a permanent seat. But it was, so it was initially in Bowen, which was a really big town with a really big agriculture and mining industry. And then a few decades after that, 
Townsville was becoming more of a major player in northern Queensland. So the Supreme Court was amended their act in 1889 and moved the court from Bowen to Townsville all in a weekend. Probably one of the most fascinating parts of that story for me when I was researching that period of history was the fact that when they decided or when they were debating to move that court, just some of the arguments that members of parliament were actually bringing to argue whether the Northern Court should actually stay in Bowen or move to Townsville. One of the arguments raised quite significantly was about the weather, which town would actually have better weather for the judges, which town would have a more robust jury pool. So it was something that they talked over for many, many months and it was complicated by the fact that they had just built a really, really expensive and beautiful court in Bowen. And then they were moving to Townsville, which had absolutely no court building, did it? No, nothing nothing like that at all. And those discussions were really heated. So what was the building itself? Like, what was it originally? Um, it was this a school of arts building. And it, and it wasn't really anything fancy compared to the Bowen courthouse, which is still in Bowen today. You can check it out. It was just a timber building with a corrugated iron roof so nothing really fancy for a a courthouse or anything like that and it was yeah sort of hand-me-down building. So how did they actually change the building to make it a court building? Do you know anything about that? They did a little bit of renovating um, to accommodate for judges chambers and the actual courthouse and jury rooms. When we actually went to the National Trust and had a look at one of their documents about the actual building itself, one of the really beautiful parts of that report that they wrote to support its inclusion was they actually traced the history of the building and all its kind of modifications and alterations. I do like that they've got this School of the Arts Theatre and right in the middle where you would have sat as part of an audience to watch it, something happening on stage, is actually what the courtroom was. So, you know, this whole theatre of court really comes yes. through. performance aspect of the court, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, they went through and added all these rooms and spaces in. So, you know, they had like a room for the Crown Prosecutor because at that time there was a specialist Crown Prosecutor that kind of serviced that northern area. There was a jury room, there was a room for the police magistrate, there was... A, room for the building's keeper or their maintenance mayor. So it was a really interesting building that grew kind of organically over history and it remained as the Supreme Court building for a really, really long time. Yeah, until 1975. So that is a really long time for a School of the Arts building to be a courthouse. So the Edmund Shepherd building was opened, yeah, in 1975 and that's kind of when we come to the campaign So the T-shirt itself is a white T-shirt. It's got a blue screen print on it and it is a beautiful representation of the Supreme Court building as it was. Let's talk for a moment about why the Townsville community actually sought to protect the building. Why was it so historically significant? Well, I think because it was such an old building. It was built in 1877. So it's really deeply connected with Townsville and it's like founding years and Townsville's development so I think it's part of the identity of that town and because it's been in use pretty much like throughout its time as a school of the arts building and then as a court building it's sort of like a landmark in Townsville so for it to then be up for being demolished 
would have been quite shocking and I think it would you know people thought it would really like detract from Townsville's heritage and I think as well from a legal perspective it was the first time or that was the furthest point a a permanent court had really sat in a legal system so from a legal perspective it's quite a significant building because I suppose it marks the fact that the law just didn't apply or was administrated in Brisbane but it actually had a place in a lot of cities and towns around Queensland. And I think that for that reason, it's quite a significant building as well. Yeah, definitely. I loved as well when you looked at photos of, because it's in tropical Queensland, you had these gorgeous frangipanis outside this beautiful wood structure. It was just a really, really beautiful building. I know when we first thought about the idea for our display and we had the T-shirt, we actually connected with the National Trust to find a little bit more about the campaign itself because we wanted to tell that story as much as we could and and we we didn't have that information. So the National Trust actually allowed us to go into their building and actually look at some of their archive material about the campaign and about the building itself. What did you learn here? That it was a really heated campaign and it was really, it was quite a grassroots sort of movement. It was the Townsville branch of the National Trust that, that did the campaign. And there was so much opposition from really all sides to it so it was kind of an underdog campaign one of the things I thought was I guess interesting was that the National Trust like they were facing opposition from politicians from a variety of different parties and backgrounds and the politicians thought that the court building shouldn't be preserved because the court had been moved from Bowen and they mistakenly thought the physical court building had been moved from Bowen to Townsville. For that reason, it's not significant to Townsville. So the National Trust actually had to go through old photographs and documentation to prove that there is a court building still in Bowen and and that the School of Arts building that was used has always been in Townsville and it was just the court in Maine had been moved, not physically the buildings had been moved. I thought that was just a bizarre thing that they had to do, but they were able to prove that, luckily. (laughs) Was the campaign successful? Yes, um, it was successful, but I guess their success was a bit short-lived. In 1998, just after it was uh, eventually heritage listed and it was uh, undergoing conservation, the building was destroyed by a fire and mysteriously uh, the cause of the fire was never publicly released and there was no charges laid or anything like that and, and that was sort of it. And all that remains of the building is just this dry stone wall now. But I guess its, it's legacy lives on. I think as well, when we were at the National Trust, the other interesting thing, because, I mean, Townsville is a big country town, how much the local news in the weeks surrounding that fire reported on it. And it was mysterious. You know, <laughs> one of the one of the themes, I suppose, that really, that really flowed through Their campaign and also its untimely demise was the fact that a lot of people perhaps didn't recognise its significance, didn't really appreciate it as a heritage building. And when they were actually campaigning for it, it wasn't being looked after. The governments weren't willing to put the money towards its repair to maintain it. I remember reading correspondence from the National Trust when they were going and visiting the building and talking about the fact that grass was quite long, that there were squatters and vagrants in the building and even the newspaper at that time reported that there were you know squatters living in the building so that was kind of quite interesting 
as well, I think one of the interesting features of it was that the building's power and electricity was actually switched off. So how did this building burn down? Yeah, like it when is. all of it's that this, stuff it's this big mystery. And I think too that it was only it's significant that it was only heritage listed in the late nineties. It was saved in the seventies, but it took until then. And I think that's a bit of a reflection on really like a whole state's attitude towards our heritage. Like you can see that throughout a lot of the attitude towards older buildings. We're a bit better with recognizing that significance now, but that there just wasn't much really care or consideration for it. And and for that reason, like it's it I guess it's lucky that the campaign even was successful at all. So yeah, it is it is a bit of a shame. So why did you select this item? Um, Besides well, wanting to surprise me, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, chief motivation was to surprise you. But no, the the other reason was I think it was just an interesting it was an interesting story. And I think it's also not really a Brisbane-centric story. And that's something that I think is really interesting. The stories from the regions, especially in the early days of the the court, they have these kind of really interesting stories and personalities involved. Thank you for listening to My Favourite Item, Unravelling Brisbane's History Piece by Piece. We hope you've enjoyed discovering more about the Supreme Court Library, Queensland and its legal heritage collection. Katie, if a listener wants to visit the library to view one of our displays, where would they find us and when are we open? So we are located on level 12 of the Queen Elizabeth II Courts of Law building, just sort of in between Roma and George Street in Brisbane City. And then we are open Monday to Friday, 8.30 to 4.30. Anyone can come in, open to the public. If you want to view any of the items in the Legal Heritage Collection as well, that's also possible. You just have to get in contact with us. Thanks for joining me today, Katie. Thanks, Kirsten. You can find more about our organisation by visiting our website, which is blhn.org. Do you like this podcast or do you know something more about this item or the building? Think about leaving a comment, subscribing or sharing this podcast on your social media platforms. What will be our next favourite item? Tune into the next episode to find out.